Oh God. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> We're a family-friendly podcast. We God damn it. Most certainly not. I would hope not. Otherwise, I don't know why I was invited. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Speaking of podcasts, welcome back to Cage Match, colon, a roundabout way of meeting Nicolas Cage. I liked your real, like, gulpy swallow right in the middle of that, too. Oh, yeah. Speaking of podcasts, mouth noises. Yeah. He was actually just choking on his first real segue. <laughs> hey! <laughs> Wait, what now? You did it. Did what? It was a. S- <laughs> Never mind. There you go. There you go. <laughs> one day, one day you'll know. <laughs> oh, speaking yeah. of, yeah. Also, we're not we're not supposed to use the term mouth noises. It's apparently offensive to people who hate mouth noises. Oh, well, fuck them. <laughs> so, do we just refer to it as oral sloppiness? Hey, ladies, check out my oral sloppiness. <laughs> yeah. Welcome back to our verbal yeah, no, sloppiness. Okay, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get back to the On this podcast, we uh, watch 64 Nick Cage films, and we're going to rank them and decide what is the all-time best Nick Cage film as decided by us. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Sean, here, well, remotely here. With me, I'm Nick, and I'm not there. Right, because COVID. Because I'm here. And he's, yes, in your hearts. (laughs) He's always with you in your hearts. Yeah, I'm I'm in you somewhere. (laughs) And our producer. Peter, hello. And uh, this week we have a special guest. Shay. Hi, Shay. Welcome, Shay. Hi, (laughs) guys. Thrilled to be here. All right. uh, So, Shay, how do we know you? Um, Well, you don't, but Peter does. (laughs) Okay, good. That's happened more and more lately. At least one of us knows people. (laughs) Oh, people come on up to me on the street and they're like, hi, Sean, how you doing? I'm like, "Mm, I don't know you. No, but I, I actually know Peter through peter's wife yes. um and we used to sing in a norwegian youth choir so obvi super cool yeah back in my day <laughs> <laughs> lots of friends like peter's wife and now like peter too so it all worked out that's two yeah. that's two friends that's all you need that's all i, need. <laughs> all I got yeah one of them's not even here yeah <laughs> yeah whoa 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 don't start lumping me in with that <laughs> as a friend <laughs> i don't need that heat on me <laughs> yeah fuck it you can't prove nothing are you a cop you gotta tell me if you are that's right i do none of that is true <laughs> i don't um, know man i've watched a lot of movies <laughs> they're only nick cage movies though <laughs> and he always does tell him if he's a cop so. that's true mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. didn't you see mm-hmm. sorcerer's apprentice he was basically just spelling it out are you bringing that one up because you know that's the only other episode of your podcast i listened to (laughs) no just kidding Um, i'm not kidding this week we are discussing the films uh, nick cage is one of his earliest performances in valley girl and uh kind of a nice return to form with weatherman if i remember my timeline correctly uh yeah or that's either before the weirdness or kind of yeah, yeah, it's 2005. It's, it's before all the tax problems and his career choices get bad. Questionable. Yeah, yeah. he still looks healthy. Well, I was going to ask Shay, uh, oh, yeah. what is your uh, interest in the universe of Nicolas Cage? What what draw, drew you to Cage? Ugh, honestly, what doesn't? Um, <laughs> I mean, a lot doesn't. But what does is, uh, I you know, I've just feel like i've just seen so many of his films from you know i was born in the early 80s and he was in everything so something i saw inevitably had nicholas cage and um i remember when i was in gosh when did con air come out oh i should probably know that off the top of my head let's just say 1998 oh <laughs> sounds I about think right that that's i think that's even oh yeah i even think that's late but what I, okay so high school i think i remember just being really into con air <laughs> That's fair. And, and his hair a lot in that movie mm. for whatever reason i have a friend actually who i used to work with i know another one guys that makes three <laughs> but he was a little obsessed with nicholas cage and so we just started talking a lot more about nicholas cage at work and so i just became even a, li- a little bit more interested in his career and now i think my favorite movies are Probably the ones that are shouldn't be anyone's favorite movies, like National Treasure. You brought it. Oh. You brought up an interesting point, though. Uh, I feel like most people's 
introduction to Nicolas Cage was probably against their will, just because he was has been Gone in literally seconds. everything. <laughs> so uh, Valley Girl, uh, 83, I want to say. 1983. 1983. Uh, uh, all right. So Nick Cage <laughs> plays Randy. Deborah Foreman is Julie. Elizabeth Daly is Lauren, one of her friends. Michael Bowen is Tommy, a douchebag. And Cameron Dye is Fred, the best guy in the whole movie. I love Fred. Tommy looks like he's on ski patrol, even though this movie takes place in the valley. He looks like he should just have that like puffer coat. And he looks like a villain from Better Off Dead. <laughs> <laughs> I've uh, I've been working on my short shorts again. So this time I've prepared it in a uh, poetry form. Fucking awesome. Amazing. I've got a haiku. Uh, so Valley Girl, it's a lot like that Romeo and Juliet, but no one dies here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. That's good. Fair. <laughs> Movie synopsized. I mean, so, <laughs> common decency dies in this film. Uh, yeah. I mean, it is from 1983 and it shows. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get into that. So elephant in the room. Everyone in this movie looks like they're in their 30s, including Nicolas Cage, who is 19. <laughs> and all of the adults all look the same age. I really struggled with the fact that they all look the same age. It's like, oh, and this is my mom, who is two years older than me, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I mean, people definitely age differently now, because if you looked back at like like uh, your parents, uh, uh, what do they call those things? Yearbooks. Uh, they'd all look like they could have bought cigarettes, I'm sure. They probably were all buying cigarettes. That's why. Probably. I mean, yeah, that would explain the skin. Well, so, okay, so we have the haiku. Yeah. Which has really kind of wrapped it all up pretty nicely. Yeah, yeah you, you pretty much nailed everything. I think we can move on. So, uh, Julie, uh, she's, you know, the popular girl, prob you know, on her way to being prom queen, uh, being best student award, breaks up with her boyfriend, and then meets... A guy from the other side of the tracks, uh, Randy, who is a punk. Yeah. And that is the main schism in this entire film is they wear different clothing <laughs> and like, because different music, too. Yeah, <laughs> they listen to one band. That they listen to at that bar every time. They <laughs> okay. go to that bar. It's just I'm just going to get this band. out. I just want to get this out there because this is really the only thing I want to talk about with this film is who the fuck is this movie for? <laughs> oh, like, man. Female director, but there is no good, like, female representation in this film. I know uh, exactly who this movie is for. This movie is for me when I was that age. When you were a 30-year-old teenager in high school? 1983. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. No, it's, like, this movie is, I don't know, it's cool. It's fun to see, like, that edge of Hollywood in the 80s. It's, I don't know. <laughs> As somebody who was an outsider and stuff growing up, too, uh, like the attitude of uh, Fred and Randy and uh, the people they hang out with, like they're just out there having fun. They're just wilding out. I couldn't tell if this movie was trying to make any type of commentary about how everyone looked down on Randy because he was dirty and he was a punk mm. and Everyone in the valley was fucking awful to right. the point where one girl's mom was trying to fuck a teenager. A high right. A high yeah. School. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This isn't commentary. This is just like the American pie of the 80s. This is just a raunchy teenage like. Right. Kind of comedy. That's that's, that's what it is. My, that's who it's right. for. It's for kids that just want to see it's a couple nipples and they want to. <laughs> like, Definitely saw those. Nakedness and yeah. some laugh at food really fights bad jokes it, yeah it's yeah. just antics it's fun it's just a fun movie it's just there for fun it's popcorn i did enjoy just going back to a simpler time where mm -hmm. you know a bunch of teenagers have a house party that their <laughs> parents hosted and all of the teenagers are just chain smoking in the foyer their wallpaper probably looked like shit <laughs> yellowed and peeling no so uh, something really disturbed me about that party and there was a scene where they were eating some sushi and uh there was a bowl of what at the time it looked like peanut butter yeah I and there questions. was chopsticks in the peanut butter bowl and i just i my brain kind of i had to like legit rewound it because i was like did i just see were they eating peanut butter 
sushi. <laughs> and there's chopstick. I don't understand. And then later I find out, oh, no, it's not peanut butter. Oh, it's pistachio paste. What? Why? You got it mixed up there. So it was peanut butter. They were putting it on there. The pistachio paste that he put in his mouth was the wasabi. And he puts okay. it in his mouth and he just sits okay, there that, like. I mean, that makes more sense, but I didn't. Okay. I think they should have played that up more because I remember the first time I put wasabi in my mouth, it was like, I oh, am yeah. dying right now. <laughs> no, they cut away pretty quick, but it was just like the wasabi in the mouth, that blank, like dead face. And then Fred's like, I think I'm going to get a drink. Uh, the joke is that people in the 80s in the valley thought they were super cosmopolitan. They knew about these things like they were up on all the like big New York East Coast trends, but they didn't have it. They were putting peanut butter on sushi. The guy who was putting the peanut butter on the sushi, who was he? Because I thought he was supposed to be the dad. I know the dad's dead. It's uh, Stacy's mom's boyfriend, I believe. But okay. Stacy's mom was <laughs> trying to going on. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Sorry. Well, I mean, I there, know that from song. There was a whole plot point about, again, her trying to bang a teenager. Mm. Yeah, she was trying to bang a teenager. I don't think her moral compass necessarily pointed north. <laughs> I don't think she cared that she had a boyfriend. <laughs> and that is an ongoing like kind of thing they allude to the whole film. And then there's a prolonged him like him sneaking into the house and someone's in the shower and he's like looking for Stacy's mom. And then Stacy's mom comes home, opens the door, and he's just banging Stacy. It's just weird. Yeah. Yeah. Much like the other shower hiding in a shower. Oh, I forgot about yeah. that. So Randy gets uh, bumped from the party uh, because he starts talking to Julie. Because they're crusty Julie punks. And they're crusty punks. they're wearing black clothes. Do we want to start no kind of working in a chronological order? Are we? Gonna- no, I don't know that it actually matters. None a of it does. On this movie, it, it, you can jump around pretty easily. Yeah. It's okay. don't, hey, don't rely on me for chronology. <laughs> also, you can absolutely just steer this ship. No, it's actually kind of fun sitting outside of the circle and being like, "Wow, this this whole podcast is." Just barely held together, just rubber bands and <laughs> demon. That's all that pretty, keeps this thing together. Pretty much I'm helping. Yeah. <laughs> what happened to you, Nick? You used to be cool. You used to just talk about whatever like came across your mind. Yeah, you you were a fucking punk. What happened to you, <laughs> Square? <laughs> Randy gets a gets his ass kicked and uh, gets kicked out of the party. Gets mad, decides to sneak back into the bathroom window and just hang out in the shower until Julie happens to come in. I didn't love that. <laughs> What are you talking? Well, that's great. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. As he's just sort of like peering over the top of the shower and practicing cool like karate punches. Yeah, he wasn't peeping on anybody. He wasn't being a creep. He was. Just, that's the only way wow. back into the party that he could get past Tommy and his goon squad. People are doing like smoking, smoking, smoking drugs, <gasps> drugs. Out, <laughs> outside of <laughs> outside of the shower, and nobody notices. That's ridiculous. All around. Bad move. Bad move. Yeah, no. If that's your only way back into the party, I say, maybe, maybe don't go back. I don't know, because it looked to me like it worked. He did get back <laughs> into the party, and he did get the girl. For a future plot point, though, that we... That's all that matters. That's for, true. For a future plot... to a second location with him. Never go to a second location. Not with a punk. Uh, for a future a man. plot point, that's I, that's... continuity, Nick, uh, Julie had just broken up with her boyfriend, who was a dick and she didn't like it'll come up later tommy was boring the movie opens up with them like at the beach like that's the first time you see randy and you see fred and you see a bunch of the girls they're all like at the beach and the girls are starting this or planning this party the party with the sushi but uh (laughs) nick cage's chest hair is shaved into the Thank most you. delightful triangle. Just I was, like so the you hardest, know, like uh, Pythagoras would have been proud. <laughs> so, you know, I'm always on Cernambush watch. Yeah, I was going to bring this up. Thank you, Nick. Do you yeah. think he was going for the Superman ass? I don't think so. I, I think he was he was 19. I think his hair hadn't quite figured it out. It's so perfectly <laughs> triangular, though. Wait, Do you think it was a Merkin? Like a chest merkin? It could have been. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, also speaking of the beach scene, did anyone else pick up on this? Uh, When the girls are in line for snacks, Fred is uh, just kind of leaning over, trying to like listen to their uh, 
their plans, and that's how they hear about the party. There is a dude in front of the girls just waiting in line who has painted on abs. (laughs) It's like, it's so abundantly clear that they're makeup on. Fuck, you just reminded me of the only time I've been to Venice Beach. Uh, I was like maybe 12. And you had painted on abs? Yeah, I got my abs painted on. And uh, (laughs) there were people like literally pumping iron on the beach and like fucking doing all the cool like we're super hot la people things and i'm like playing in the ocean and then a wave hits me right in the face and i like immediately swallow a bunch of seawater and i like stand back up and i look and i just start vomiting <laughs> all, oh, all over venice beach <laughs> that's very on brand i fucking hate la <laughs> all of it the entire fucking county. Fuck all of it. Keep that in. I want them to know how I feel oh, yeah. about them. No, we can let LA know. Put them on notice. Sean's coming for you. I'm not. I, if I can never step foot in that city again, I'll be fucking happy. They don't make the valley look appealing at all. No. Like there's a nice like helicopter, like what we would think of a drone shot now of the valley at the start of this movie. I'm like, man, that looks awful. Yeah, it's it's a pretty boring looking place. Hollywood looks crappy, but also, I don't know, it looks way more fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were definitely just playing up the juxtaposition of the two worlds that the characters come from. So. So, yeah. So Randy's a punk. Julie's like from the Valley, going to be valedictorian, all that fun stuff. And then all of her friends want her. Did you say valedictorian? I did. <laughs> I caught, I tried to catch myself. Thank you for you know pointing it out. Uh, but all of her friends well, we have a we have an awesome montage of them like just going to every movie and walking by neon signs. Movie, I was two montage and awesome montage. There were at least two. Yeah, from, yeah, yeah. Okay, but the first montage where they because you know subtext isn't a thing in this movie. They go and see Romeo and Juliet, <laughs> uh, but he takes her to like you know the punk club where the punks are just singing a song about being in love. Juxtapose yeah. with the end of this film where all the uh, hip valley kids are listening to Johnny, are you a queer? So we're jumping right into Johnny, are you a queer? Okay. I just I want that juxtaposition in there. I want that side by side. You want to start talking about it? Because I got things to say about that song. I want to hear what you've got to say about that song. And then we're going to talk about music in general, because the music in this movie fucking rules. But it let's does. talk about that Josie Cotton song. The, the soundtrack's great. The Josie Cotton song is at, like the music is it's uh, uh, written to the same like tune as uh, Fetch Me Another Beer by the band uh, Fear out of L.A. They're an L.A. punk band. This guy took the song. He wrote Johnny, Are You a Queer? Was giving it to this other band, had a falling out with them and said, fuck you, you can't use it. Josie Cotton gets to sing Johnny, Are You a Queer? That's fucking wild. (laughs) Uh, when that song came out, there was like all sorts of like, eh, like back and forth controversy. The conservatives said that the song was coming from the perspective of a guy trying to coerce a straight dude into homosexuality. Did not get that from the song. Yeah, I know that's this was just conservative controversy in the 80s. It's Reaganism. Thank God we don't have to deal with that anymore. Making shit up that isn't real. Right, <laughs> right. I get it. <laughs> yeah, we've we've gotten over all the Reaganism, but uh, then all the more liberal people were like, "Oh my God," asking if he's gay or whatnot. But the song also like helped a lot of gay people come out and address and embrace their own homosexuality. So it's like it went through like all these different waves. Right. I mean, it does slap. Yeah. Oh yeah. Who doesn't love Johnny? Are you a queer? That's a great song. <laughs> Well, as a queer person, I feel like uh, now if people heard this song or if more people knew that this song existed, it would absolutely do very well. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So it's just about a a chick who's got this guy who doesn't pay attention to her and she thinks that he's gay because he doesn't pay attention. But it's really because she sucks. 
So because, right. Yeah, I guess we never really said what the song really is. We just said that. Yeah, it's just it's it's just yeah, it's you know looking at yeah, well, it's I ridiculous. Mean, this was more my the point I was hoping to make. The word queer, I think that was scary to liberals back at that time. Yeah, they, it wasn't embraced like it is now by right. the queer community. Yeah. I mean, you hear queer, 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 queer. I'm saying queer bombs like all the time yeah. in my life and on this podcast. So hell yeah, you know, I I think. That's why I'm saying that is just. Oh, if I heard it on the radio today, I would not bat an eye. But given when this movie was made, yeah, I'm yeah. like, hmm. And, and the little it's backup weird. dancers doing the, the mincing hand. Yes. Is, right. uh, not the best look. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's still the 80s. So, you know, it's going to be problematic somehow. Yeah. I just think it's kind of amazing, though. But I just <laughs> like the juxtaposition that, OK, that's what's being played at the high school senior prom. Yeah. As opposed to the punk club, which is all of them just singing slightly louder songs about being in love and in healthy relationships. There are a lot of punk songs about being in love, so that's not out of place. That's fine. The Ramones made a big career out of singing stupid popcorn songs about being in love. It's true. Very good point. That's the club that just has the one band that is always playing. Yeah. They're always playing their same song, so it just seems... Not like a great business model, but I don't know. I mean, it was always popping. Yeah. Halfway through the movie (laughs) when they played a song for the second time, Josie's like, we've already heard this one. (laughs) Awesome. I knew she would catch that shit. Yeah. Uh, The the music, though, is really fucking awesome. It is. Two thoughts. It's got a great soundtrack. I've got uh, an audio recording of Shay singing Johnny, Are You Queer? And I really want to be able to put that on this podcast. I mean, Uh, I could do it live. Oh, yeah. Do you want to do a live rendition? If you want me to. Yeah, hit it. (laughs) How are you so weird, boy? Johnny, are you queer, boy? That was good. <laughs> there you go. That's... Uh, but the other... the other song, shaping up good. Yeah, too, the, too bad you can't see me, because I feel like my face... That really did add to it. ...was like half of the... The coolness, but <laughs> the, the other one that I got obsessed with is that song "Eaten by the Monster of Love" by the band Sparks. Mm-hmm. It fucking slaps! It's so good, and I that <laughs> that album is called "Angst in My Pants." And <laughs> every track on there is fucking awesome sounding. It's like Sextown USA is one of the names of the songs. Like these guys have been doing, they've been performing for like since like 1973 or something like that. It's just two brothers. They just put out another album. Do they do bar mitzvahs? They fucking should. <laughs> but they had a new video that just came out where with Kate Blanchett is dancing and they're just like performing with her. It's it's wild, man. Nick, you still yet to have a bar mitzvah? <laughs> yeah. Uh that's not true. D- tell us. Go on. <laughs> uh in college I used to throw a lot of like themed parties and things. So when I turned 20, we got a keg and I threw myself a 20th bar mitzvah. And I proceeded to do every Jewish celebratory thing I knew of. So I broke some glass and <laughs> did, you, right. did you get circumcised? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've seen your penis and I can't remember if you're circumcised or not. <laughs> yeah, you got to look really close. <laughs> <laughs> Valley girl. Anyway, uh, on that note, yeah. So the crux of the film is it's a movie for teenagers. She. Yeah. Julie has to decide whether or not she wants to date the boyfriend she broke up with and hates or the punk who she has a very healthy relationship with and loves, but her friends don't like. But who everyone else hates. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And she has to choose between her boyfriend and her friends. And but the, at no point is there the option of her just breaking up with Randy and being fine. Yeah, right. And not you could just not date man. Tommy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who like, that dude sucks. sucks. <laughs> You can also get better friends. Yes, that too. Randy also does all the classic 80s moves of how to win a girl back, i.e. stalking her. Like, shows up at all her dates, is sleeping on her front lawn. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. The sleeping on the front lawn part was a... That was a step far for me, especially considering he obviously, like, in his sleeping bag, was, like, down to his drawers. Because he's just like shirtless holding this sleeping bag around him. And it's like, oh, his boots and stuff are sitting next to him. Pants folded up. We know Julie's parents are hippies and are just kind of like freewheeling and fine with her, like making her own choices. There, There's a strange man sleeping on your front lawn. Maybe, I don't know, get the hose. (laughs) 
I liked her parents. Yeah. I liked her dad smoking the joint in the bathroom, like trying to calm himself down before Julie goes to prom. <laughs> when did the dad, he's talking about, did anyone catch how he talks to her about Randy's dick possibly not working right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that that was one of the reasons why he didn't want her to be, to be with Randy. What was going to make his dick not work right? Because he's a punk and probably does. Oh, who knows? I bet he's got VD. She was positing to her dad like, I've got this problem. I've got these two guys. I need to choose between one that I like. And he was like, think about that one guy's dirty dick, though, okay? Because <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely what he said. Daughter it. dearest. That's, that was basically <laughs> verbatim the he, lie. He combed out that, like, caterpillar of his, and he just fucking looked her straight in the eyes and was like, girl, tell me about Randy's dick. So, did anyone else think so? During That's what I heard, man. During the stalking montage... She's like reading a, her bedside book and then opens it and finds like photos from, you know, like a photo booth of Randy. And just based on all the weird shit he's done up to that point, stalking her, I'm like, did he break into her room and like place those in there? No, she always had those on her bedside table. I'm sure they were just in this book and she carried them around. You're also maybe mixing it up with Peggy Sue got married when he tried to murder her. No, I remember. I remember sneaky fingers. <laughs> oh, gross. <laughs> This movie concludes with how all great 80s teen romps do. The hero commits assault. That mm. <laughs> dick gets kicked. In terms of like who assaulted who first, he had been punched by Tommy before. Tommy punched first. That's yes, true. but not in this instant. He just ran up on stage backstage, sucker punched him, then let him get up to have an actual <laughs> fight. Yeah, if I was fighting a football player, that's how I'd do it, too. And then Tommy, like, full-on tries to karate kid it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then a food fight starts, and that shit's fucking nice. Yeah. Like, fucking Julie hits Tommy in the face with some kind of, like, weird green, I'm assuming, jello pie. Who's no, serving? Pistachio. <laughs> pistachio it pie. Was, it was peanut butter, y'all. Yeah, like, pistachio pudding pie at prom. Like, this is what I want to know. That's a real food crime. Yeah, that's true. They were like, it's food fight scene time. Time to prepare just different colors of glop for people <laughs> to sling at each other, please. Glop and popcorn, please. No, glop and pop. No teacher tries to stop it. Julie is just fine with it. And then just they they steal. Well, they get in the back of uh, Tommy's limo that he rented and just drive off. Yeah, they take his reservation at the Sheridan, too. They get in and the driver's like, to the Hollywood Sheraton, sir. He's like. Yeah, fuck it. Why not? There's yeah. no end to this arc. She dumps him. She's mad at him. He beats up her boyfriend and then they're back in love. Yeah, that's the end of the arc. She was never mad at him. She was mad at herself for choosing Tommy. Over I know, him. but there's like, that's not there's that's never wo wove in there. You're misrepresenting the facts. <laughs> no, he punches a guy and five minutes later, the movie's over. OK, raise your hand if you didn't want to punch Tommy. I mean, I wanted to punch Tommy. Everyone amongst us wants to punch Tommy. People who are listening to this podcast want to punch Tommy. That dude fucking sucks. Yeah. That's why you sucker punch him and run. I wanted to punch most of the people in the movie. It's though, true. To be real. Oh, you know what makes you Except really want to fucking punch that dude? Except, yeah. He ended up playing Buck in Kill Bill, the one who was like oh, the rapist fucker. Yeah, <laughs> like, I swear that. Goes. I like how that's the arc of that man's career. Yeah. <laughs> what was it that Fred was in? Yeah, he's only in like one thing he that I've seen. A yeah, he's been in a stuff. bunch of stuff, but none of it mattered. He's been in a bunch of stuff. <laughs> one of the things I really liked about Fred, there was one scene, I can't remember if it was at the party or if it was at prom, but he goes up to a girl and he's like, hey, do you want to dance? And she goes, "She goes oh, in another life. And he goes, yeah, I didn't either. I was just taking a poll. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was a good fucking bro, too. Well, aside from the time he hid behind a girl while Tommy beat up his friend. He saved him from getting beat up by gangsters that one time, though. <laughs> yeah, that one time. <laughs> that actor's name is Cameron Dye, who plays Fred. And he's just in like one episode of legit yeah. all the things that I watch. So he's that's like, why I recognize. He's like one of those people face. that ends up being a body in a TV show. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, he was that dead guy on that one SVU or whatever. We were talking about 
career arcs of people and hey i'm doing a segue and probably better than sean right nick because you were just talking about something else that i forgot now because i was busy making fun of sean <laughs> that's that's 90 percent of this podcast yeah. yeah that's fine if you're making fun of sean you're podcasting correctly that's how we do it these days that's why I've had my ex-wife on this podcast. See, I listen. I listen to the podcast. Um, no, but talking about the people who play all the characters. So Elizabeth Daly, can we talk about her, please? She played Lauren, the one who, oh, yeah. who dumb, dumb butt asshole guy. Tommy. Tommy yeah. um, is like making out with, and that's like the boobs, right? Right. Those are the boobs. Those are the boobs, and they're beautiful boobs. Well, they belong to Elizabeth Daly, who is in Pee Wee's uh, Big Adventure as the girlfriend who has like the who's at the end. And and she just does all these different voices of cartoons like yeah. Tommy Pickles. And shit. I thought you were going to say Large Marge. And I'm like, man, I haven't seen Pee Wee in a while. <laughs> no, she's the girl who Pee Wee. Yeah, it's like the friend who then is. I totally more forgot than about that. Yeah. Yeah. I knew that she had a big voice acting career, but I forgot. Tommy Pickles. Was... Yeah. Tommy huh. Pickles. Yeah, she was. She yeah, did a, a lot of voices <laughs> yeah she's, it's always credited as a i think eg daily is mm. her voice actor yes name. Okay. Da- yeah that's her voice actor name exactly. i've seen tommy pickles boobs weird have, that's a yes. statement <laughs> oh yeah she was buttercup of the powerpuff girls yeah. oh that's right hold on have any of you three ever seen the newest peewee movie peewee's like big holiday or something i, I think that's that was called. a thing no i never did oh my god it's so fucking good I, like, I believe uh, it. Die on this hill. That is a great fucking movie. It's Pee Wee. It's got Joe Manganiello. It's got. Uh, I love Joe Manganiello. Yeah. He takes big adventures. There's. Oh, man. I, you know what? I'm going to fucking watch that tonight. We got to wrap this shit up, guys, because I, I got some Pee Wee to put down tonight. Why don't we do some quotes? Um, so, yeah, mine for uh, was uh, right after Julia dumps Randy. It's like, fuck off. For sure. Like, totally. <laughs> okay. And Peter, you are... He at, Later on, he's talking with... Or he's, like, fucking around with Tommy and... Oh, what's her face? Yeah. And he, he's, at like the at the, he's at, like, the movie theater, and then he also, like, brings them fast food, and for some reason, Tommy never realizes it's the same fucking guy, which is absurd. <laughs> he's wearing glasses every time. Yeah, right. Yeah, he has the 3D glasses one fucking time. Fucking Superman. And, yeah, uh, sweet montage, yeah. But yeah, Tommy goes, uh, it appears you forgot our French fries and a Coke, fish head. And he goes, oh, well, Peter Piper picked a pepper. I guess I did. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. I really liked the 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 scene, the line when uh, after Randy gets dumped by Julie, he's fucked up and he goes to that club that they're always at. And he like throws his wine bottle or his 40 or whatever the fuck he's drinking. And he like goes up to the bouncer and the bouncer's like, hey, Randy, man, I can't let you in here like this. And Randy's just like, hey, how you doing? Been good? And the bouncer just like shovels him in and he's just like, get in, get in. And he's like, that's what I wanted. And just like <laughs> drunkenly like slides right in. Well, I think my I guess my quote is going to be Nick's very first line in the movie as Randy is just what? <laughs> well, wait, hang on. Let's do uh, oh, the Venn sorry. diagram. Real oh, quick. yeah. Venn diagram. Uh, good, uh, good cage. Good movie. Bad cage. Bad movie. Bad. Good. Good. Bad. I don't know what you just said, but I'll say, yep. <laughs> good. Yeah, that, that tracks. I thought it was a good movie and a good Nicolas Cage performance. I think so, too. I thought he had a. You could see a lot of intention in everything that he did. And I don't know, he played young and cool pretty well. Yeah, I I didn't love his performance in general, but I had to remind myself, it's like, this is his first actual feature role. And he was fucking 19 and he did pretty well. I think he did a good job in the entire thing. Yeah, some of it was a little rough. Like it was a little rough around the edges. It's not polished, but uh, his instincts are great. And also add that you kind of have the writing to work with as well. And so maybe I like to consider that. I think for being the kind of silly, ridiculous movie that it was, he delivered the performance that I was wanting. Yeah, yeah that's a fair that's a fair assessment. So I'm going to say good, good. Yeah, good, good. Good, good. Good, good all around. Especially because that fucking soundtrack. That thing is great. 
if for nothing more than just that one song that <laughs> might be slightly problematic, but overall, I'm slaps. actually into it. Yeah, yeah. super yeah. slaps. And Eaten by the Monster of Love. Go yeah. listen to that shit. It's my favorite. <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah. Nick, Haikuas. We'll introduce the movie ready. first slightly, you know, and then we can... I introduced it before our little break. Well, I, Work your magic. We're not just going to start with no, him telling a haiku. We're going to say... <laughs> Dance monkey. Now we are talking about the weatherman. Introduce Nick, here, again. have a haiku. <laughs> All right, just, just isolate that audio and we go. Instead of this fight that we are now having. <laughs> okay, then put this in, too. Absolutely. <laughs> the weatherman from 2005. <laughs> Starring Nicolas Cage and, ooh, my uh, celebrity crush, Hope Davis. Hope yep, Davis. Oh, I love Hope Davis. Yeah. He didn't even have to bench press her this time. But yeah, last time we saw them on screen together, he was bench pressing her. So, the weatherman. <laughs> the weatherman. In haiku form. You can make big bucks, but forget the tartar sauce. You will die alone. Wow, that's real good. Yeah, that actually is a fucking fantastic representation of this movie. Please put that on my headstone. <laughs> yeah. Nice job, Nick. COVID suits you. Yeah. I have a liberal arts degree. <laughs> uh, All right. So the weatherman, we've got Nick Cage as Dave Spritz, uh, Michael Caine as Robert Spritzel, his father. I love him. Hope Davis as Noreen, Nicholas Holt as his son, Mike. And Jemen de la Pena as Shelley, his daughter. Having just seen Renfield and then rewatching this movie, because I saw this movie when it came out, but rewatching it, seeing a young Nick Holt, I'm like, this is adorable. I had Peter make us a meme that's done real well on Reddit. Yeah, Yeah, we're hot on Reddit right now. (laughs) Follow us, Cage Match Pod. (laughs) (laughs) I do love Nick Holt. I didn't look up anything about either movie before watching them. But Project. Nick Holt is, he's a great actor. Yeah. We, we yeah, just, um, Sean and I watched Fury Road on Thursday. He's in that as he's well. He's in that, and he's fucking amazing in that X-Men. movie. I'm just glad that um, he, yeah, he, the he, Beast. Who was he in that? Was he like a spray paint mouth yeah, guy? Yeah, he was, yeah. He was oh. one of the war boys. He, he was, was the main one. He was Nux. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Shiny and Chrome. He's the one that kept <laughs> calling him Bloodbag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I live, I die, I live again. Witness me! That's crazy. I'll have to rewatch that after I'm done with Pee Wee's big like holiday. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Pee Wee's big what? <laughs> you, you, uh, that's dangerous with Pee Wee. <laughs> well, the very first note I took, I just need you to know that it says that uh, his hair looks disgusting in this movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that it, it it said hair is gross. Dot 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 again. Meaning. <laughs> Which I forgot to mention, of course, but his hair was also just what the F is happening in Valley Girl. But I understood it was the 80s and they were all kind of like, what the F hair. Yeah. But it just was, it was a lot. And then here again in the 2005, yeah. Still bad. Still really bad. But bad in like a, I don't know, like a sad dad kind of way. That made it worse to me. Yeah. I mean, he was a sad dad. He was a sad dad. Yeah. It's every man's bad hair. Also, so we we write an interesting line with this uh, for uh, metrics we're tracking, uh, you know, the good kid, bad kid uh, mm. line, because this one has both. Shelly's a bitch. Shelly is my idol. How dare you? <laughs> She's like, I want to take up archery. This sucks. I don't want to do it. Yeah, so she's like a regular kid. Yeah. I was like, so Shelly's like every other child in America. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Cool. I don't I don't interact with children normally. I'm going to play piano. <laughs> Fuck this. Piano sucks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what? This is hard. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 38 and I'm still figuring out hobbies. Like, I'm sorry, guys, but this podcast probably has a big old fucking number over it. How many more episodes I got left in me? Then my ADD is going to take over and I'm going to be in fucking Puerto Rico. I'm going to be teaching scuba lessons. I'm, a, I'm impressed we made it this far. We, I mean, I think we have enough uh, audio of you now where we can chat GPT your side of this. <laughs> <laughs> the response will always be, shut the fuck up, Sean. You're wrong about that. But how will you ever get my stories right? Most of them don't make sense, so it'll probably be fine. <laughs> so Nicolas Cage... Uh, What's his name again? Dave Spritz. Dave Spritz. Dave Spritz is a local weatherman in Chicago. Yeah. And uh, he is trying out for a big national like morning show. And, you know, 
that's going to be great for him, uh, except his kids don't really talk to him. His wife isn't talking to him and his dad is dying of probably cancer. Uh, all I want to say is lymph nodes and that's not right. And then I'm like tuberculosis and that's not right either. Yeah, I want to talk about Michael Caine's terrible American accent. It's not great, but luckily he doesn't speak a lot. He's a dad of the generation with very few words for his son. So that's good for us. Even, he's a, even though he's a writer, uh, I do want to talk about my favorite Michael Caine line of all time. More fucking and dildo talk. <laughs> it's always fucking and sucking and fucking and dildos. Also, listening to Sir Michael Caine describe in a bad American accent what a camel toe is. Yeah. Chef's kiss. I loved that. But I, okay, so straight up, I did not realize he was trying to do an American accent. Yeah. So it's the very much like listeners, a, if that tells you anything. It's very much of the house school <laughs> of American acting, the Hugh Laurie house school of American accent. Hugh Laurie's American accent is fucking garbage. I am so bad. <laughs> I I think I just am bad at recognizing when people are doing bad American accents, and I just think that they have weird accents British themselves. Voice. They're, I'm <laughs> yeah. just like, why is this motherfucker trying to sound like this? What like, is what a, are they doing? What is Hugh Laurie's new, well, newer show on HBO, the Sci-Fi One? Oh, it's a uh, Avenue Five or something. Yeah, one of the plot points is. He does ha- he does fake a bad American yes. accent to be yeah. the captain, but he's just an actor. That was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I did enjoy that. You might as well lean into it, right? Yeah, yeah loved it. Um, so yeah, uh, Nicholas yeah, Cage. Michael Caine. Yeah, it's also bad. Trying mm-hmm. to get this, uh, trying to get this job that'll pay you know millions of dollars a year to read the weather, <laughs> but trying to like get his you know life back together, get re in touch with his kids, and try and you know salvage his marriage. It's a real coming of age story. For who? <laughs> Someone my age, shock. Someone, un- un- yes. un- unfortunately, <laughs> all of us. I, oh my god! I saw myself in a lot of Nick Cage this week, and it uh, it made me sad. Oh. Since you say it's a coming of age story, I was thinking about it earlier today about both of these movies, and I was like, oh, it's weird. It's like Valley Girl was like a a romantic comedy for me as a a teenager, and this is like a romantic dark comedy for me as an adult. Cause yeah, this is just what love or life is. It's like, you get old, the people who love you stop loving you. Then you're going to have to move to another city and probably die alone. That's, that's a romantic story for your late thirties. Yeah. I'm really glad you're not actually here in the room to stare me in the eyes. You say that, (laughs) (laughs) but we all felt it. Didn't we? We did. (laughs) I haven't been divorced, so clearly I know nothing. Yeah, you don't know suffering. anything. Yeah, gosh, you've never <laughs> my hardships. Life, right? My, li- my life's been <laughs> just breezy. so easy. <laughs> so what are you complaining about? <laughs> 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 uh, I'm crying on the inside. <laughs> uh, tears of a clown, my friend. <laughs> so, Valley Girl. Yeah. You mean the weatherman? <laughs> the weatherman. Yeah, so this was directed by Gore Verbinski, which I thought was kind of a weird. Yeah, weird. But, I mean, this is like right before or around when he's doing pretty much only Pirates of the Caribbean movies, which is also strange. The guy has a very weird career. And then he ended up doing that fucking Lone Ranger movie with Johnny Depp and Army Hammer, which is also that fucking aged terribly. Yeah, he did a lot of like music videos, like punk music videos, and he played guitar on the soundtrack. Did he? So, Weird. Yeah. Hans Zimmer had him play the guitar. So all that like reggae guitar that they put together, that they had just a little band and it was huh. Gore Verbinski and a couple guys that Hans Zimmer professionals can pull in. And so he directed it and then he came in and played guitar on it. Yeah, I was surprised when I saw that it was a Zimmer score because it's like this movie gets weirdly, weirder and like, weirder. This like plucky and plunky and this I don't movie know, it doesn't sound like a, a traditional Zimmer. <laughs> well, it's not okay. Oh man, I got something on this too. Verbinski wanted this soundtrack. He's like, I want something that's like not Chicago, not this that. It's he's looking around. He's like, it's winter at Chicago. Give me some reggae. <laughs> 
And he sent some photos of Chicago, like in the winter and a picture of like a wall on a clock or a clock hanging on a wall because there's always clocks like in the backgrounds throughout the movie. He's like that. And he's like, and play reggae music. And that's what he told Hans Zimmer. I do want to like pose a little thought question real quick. Imagine like a Zimmer score, like a movie with a Zimmer score. Now imagine the same movie with a Danny Elfman score. Like imagine, bitch. imagine Tenet if Danny Elfman did that score. That movie would be amazing. He would have actually done backwards music, and that would have been fucking awesome. Oh man! So like the entire score for the first part is then played backwards for the second half of the movie, Absolutely. and then all of a sudden it makes sense and there's depth. Yeah. So where were we? Uh, unfortunately, I think we were at Camel Toe. <laughs> Okay, so we haven't made it very oh, far. Poor Shell. I know. Poor little Shell Shell. <laughs> Shelly definitely needs some uh, I do, clothing help. I do I like just... when he's trying to like talk to her about it. It's like, do kids ever like call you names or pick on you, like call you stupid or I don't know, uh camel toe? <laughs> Subtle dad. <laughs> She's like, there. Yeah, people call me camel toe. Like, what do you think that means? Like, it means I'm tough. Like a camel's toe in the hot desert sand hot or whatever. Desert sand. Yeah, whatever she said. And he's like, "You're right." It's like, Bless yes. your sweet fucking heart, Shelly. I will never tell you otherwise. Yeah, <laughs> I love her. This is why she is. She's like my soul. You know, she just understands. And then we get a montage of a uh, cute outfits. Yeah, more montage. montage. Yeah, overlap. Montages, montages, lots of montage. Little girl trying on cute clothes. And they all looked adorable. It's Every true. single one. I thought <laughs> fucking she really was cute. I was like, Shelly, come on, girl. The costumer on this movie actually fucking killed it. Like, yeah, he yeah. did a lot of things. Like there was some uh, behind the scenes stuff on the Blu-ray. And they were talking about how the costumer like put Michael Caine in slightly larger shirts throughout the whole movie so that it looked like he was shrinking inside of it, like getting sicker. That's clever. Yeah. The things people don't realize. Yeah. Though. Movie magic. Stagecraft. Figuring out Nicolas Cage's like tie selection. So like nothing really ever looks good and he never looks comfortable. Like the suit jacket doesn't fit right until the very end of the movie when he's in New York and then it's actually fitted properly and things like that. Well, so we know Nick Cage is in a bad place because he is a public figure, but like one that doesn't matter to anyone. People are always bugging him to like know what the what is it? The spritz? The spritz nipper? The, yeah, the, the spritz, spritz nipper. spritz nipper. The coldest day of the week. And he's always just like, leave me the fuck alone. I'm just trying to live my life. <laughs> so every time he goes out, people like to peg him with like fast food. It's always fast food. It's always that food that like it's good in the moment, but you don't you know, it doesn't fill you. Thanks for my quote. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> particularly like. Sorry, Peter. The best part of that quote, though, is the end when he just sort of like somberly goes, I am fast food. All right, there's your quote. I wasn't going to do the whole quote. I forgot about that. <laughs> I wanted to like, uh, I really hope they tried to get like product placement in this with the selling point of, do you want to see Nick Cage get pelted with chicken nuggets? Do you want to get biffed with the uh, frosty? Uh, you know? Uh, Gore Verbinski threw all of the fast food. Yeah. Like, he's like, I needed Nicolas Cage to know that if anybody was doing it, it was just going to be me. Oh, wow. And the chicken nuggets were my favorite one. That's brilliant. <laughs> but sometimes it was like multiple takes. So he's just like throwing boxes of nuggets. Or like, him with nuggets. Nugged. Standing like three feet away, throwing an apple pie at him. <laughs> like the, the footage of it was all terrific. Oh I just want to see the photos of him backstage. Just like the biggest grin on Gorbinski's <laughs> face as he's just chucking the nuts. He's, he's really enjoying himself. So the whole uh, extras on that disc were great. So what I mean, let's just kind of are there any scenes we want to specifically talk about? This movie is more of a meandering kind of view of this man's life. Like the arc is him trying to get this job, which he eventually does get. But. Everything else is kind of vignettes of his father dying and him get like reconnecting with his children yeah. and kicking the ass of a pedophile. Yeah, <laughs> I'd argue that the arc is actually trying to like regain the life that he lost. Like, like that's his whole thing. He's like trying to like put his life back together, but 
in the end it's you know that he didn't need that life he needed to like get over it but well in that effort of him trying to rebuild the life he thought he wanted uh was more destructive to his family than him right. actually just living his own life right um, build it next <laughs> what what's our third movie <laughs> peewee's big holiday here was Life my watch <laughs> here was my connecting tissue for these both both these movies okay. is um his realization and his moment of like where his character kind of moves on is done with just an act of assault because that's when he kind of like no i'm all right is after he like shows up mm-hmm. at this dude's house who's supposed to be his son's counselor for drug rehab but is grooming so Nick Cage like just rocks up to the dude's house, just kicks his ass on the like on the doorstep and says, you know, you're going to leave my kid alone. You're going to tell them what you did. And then just like goes to the mall and has a corn dog with his son. Fuck yeah. I kind of took that as his lowest point, not necessarily what turned him around, but like where he really kind of hit bottom where he had nothing else in the in the can. But it was when he was having the conversation with Michael Caine in the car mm. and uh, Kane revisits what cage was saying at his living funeral before the power went out nicholas cage just says uh when i think of my father i think of what is it yeah bruce springsteen like a rock is that who sings it i don't know no i don't think it's (laughs) it's not bruce springsteen but yeah like a rock she's fact checking it's bob seeger there we go that's it's also a bs name (laughs) it's boomer music so it's it's whatever yeah it's good and then so his dad brings this up in the thing and he's like i don't i don't understand he comes back to it nicholas cage explains like it's the part about like you know i don't know the emotional parts of it that he connected with his father or connected to his father about being a tough guy and not needing anybody else but like always being there for his family and things like that he was always you know just a, a solid real good dude and Michael Caine, like upon hearing that is like, oh, and then he gives Cage the advice that like, like fast food, some things in this life just need to be chucked. Do you want this job? Do you want like the family's not going to be there? You have to just let it go. And, you know, you are right. Uh, The fight scene when he goes and kicks that guy, that is his lowest point, but it's everything after that. Like, that's what kind of pushes into him finally connecting with his father, him reconnecting with his son. It's the catalyst. It's the catalyst for all the good stuff that came was him just beating up a guy. (laughs) He also slaps a guy with his gloves at one point. (laughs) Hold on. So this is my favorite quote, but I do want to just do the voiceover real quick from the glove slapping. So when he slaps him with the glove, there's a voiceover and it's just Nicolas Cage saying, here's something that if you want your father to think you're not a silly fuck, don't slap a guy across the face with a glove, because if you do that, that's what he will think. Unless you're a nobleman or something in the 19th century, which I am not. (laughs) That's a great line. This movie is full of and it's I think mostly in the voiceover, just fucking banger lines and the voiceover was all recorded pre like prior to the movie no shit like so he didn't have any like connection to the scene he was just reading the voiceover which is what he needed then they just piped in the lines that's pretty fascinating actually because he does sound so disaffected through most of that voiceover and like if you really had gotten into the character more you maybe wouldn't have gotten that same type of reading that's yeah clever Gore Verbinski, who knew? Beginning of the movie, it's like he's washing his face and it's refreshing. That's refreshing. I'm refreshing. And that's so great for that character because that character is so checked out from life. Yeah. Um, Does anyone's quote have the word dildo in it? No. It's so uh, mine are when he goes to his uh, ex-wife's house for the first time and they get into a fight because... Or not the first time. Uh, he takes Shelly to the like work event and she tears an ACL like in a sack race on ice, which seems dumb. And he makes her finish and she gets hurt. So he's getting into a fight with his ex-wife and this guy comes out and like tells him to back off. And he's like, who the fuck are you? And he just goes like and they get start getting into it. And he's like, fuck you, fat ass. Dildo. <laughs> and then later they get into a fight again. And, you know, it's like, you called me a dildo. And he goes, you are a dildo, pork fucker. 
Fucker! I just love his pauses before he finishes his insults. Pork fucker fucker. Pork fucker fucker. <laughs> uh, mine's pretty long here, but it's a it's a pretty important one to my haiku. I've got the tartar sauce quote here. Nice. It's a flashback to a a scene Nicolas Cage in voiceover tells you, like, if you don't want to, like, fuck up your marriage, don't forget the tartar sauce. And so we get this scene of him and his wife still married. Uh, he's going out, like, stepping out to pick up the, the delivery, the food and or the takeout. And she's like, as he's leaving, she's like, don't forget the tartar sauce. So now we've just got a voiceover of Nick Cage walking through the Chicago snow on like street corners down to pick up the takeout. So he walks up to a street corner. There's a chick standing there in really tight pants. And he's just looking down at her ass as the voiceover goes. Tartar sauce, tartar sauce, man. I'd like to put my face in there, right in there. Tartar sauce. My hips are cold. Tartar sauce. That's when you know it's cold. I like eating pussy. Tartar sauce. A lot of guys don't. Well, maybe they do. Maybe that's just black guys. Tartar sauce. What happened to the guy who was trying to fly around the world in a balloon? Did he make it? I should put some espionage or stolen plutonium in my novel. Tartar sauce. Spice it up. Neil Young. Fuck, it's cold. Neil Young. Why am I thinking about Neil Young? Neil Diamond. Neil. There's not a lot of famous Neils. Is this Wednesday? I wish I had two dicks. I thought the whole family was going to learn Spanish together this year. That never really happened. I haven't had a Spanish omelet in a long time. Here we go. As he crosses the street and enters the market. So it's a long line, but man, that's a that's a good that's one. That's a great though. one. Yeah. yeah, I knew that was going to be like I was thinking. I'm like, oh, I forgot about this line. I love it. And I started typing it out. I'm like, Nick's going to pick it. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have a quote, Shay? I don't have a quote from the movie, but I have something else that I'm going to say. Yeah, I don't have a quote either. So go ahead. Oh, okay. sorry. I stole your quote. Peter. That's OK. I am fast food. So I don't have a quote from the movie, but I have a quote from myself. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Because my, so, okay, my partner and I, she tells me to write things down sometimes, especially when I'm high, which is, <laughs> well, a lot. <laughs> and um, so I said something <laughs> to her during the watching of this movie, and um, she starts chuckling, mostly because I'm sure she thinks I'm an idiot. And she's like, you you need to write that one down. You're not going to remember to say that. You're not, and I think you need to say it. So, um, I don't know what creepy guy, but I'm assuming the molesty pedophile guy. Does he have a mustache? Yes. Okay. He has, yep. a, he has like a goatee. Yep. He kind of looks like Dante from Clerks. Oh, yeah. He, the goatee. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, my note to myself is that I knew that creepy guy was creepy immediately when we saw him on when we saw him come into the I was like that guy's bad news that character no and my quote is that guy if you take his beard off he's that one guy so whatever that means <laughs> to you guys he was that one guy yeah for sure so especially without the beard <laughs> without the beard that guy he's that one guy you're not wrong though like from the moment you see him, from the moment you see him, though, he is a fucking creep. He is a fucking creeper town. Mike Holt and his buddy are looking at a sweater and he like rolls up and he's like, it's a nice sweater. What are you guys doing here? They're like, we're buying clothes. It's like, yeah, I'm looking at clothes, too. It's like, ew, <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> I yeah. do like the arc. I do like the closing arc, though. Of the entire film, people like are just like, "What's going to be the coldest? Like, what's the nipper?" And he's just telling people to fuck off because he's like, "I'm trying to just go to the DMV." And then at the end of the movie, he's practicing archery, and the guy's like, "Hey, you're uh, you're the weather guy. You know what's uh what's the weather going to be like tomorrow?" And he's just like, "Who knows? Is it going to rain?" Yeah, yeah, maybe. Mm. Yeah, I thought this was a a really awesome movie. I'm glad I watched it now. Because I don't think if I watched it in 2005, it would have connected with me because I'm not a sad fuck or I, I wasn't a sad fuck then. I've always been a sad but fuck. But you are now. <laughs> yeah. But no, like I, I remember I was really excited to return to this one because I did watch it 
when it first came out on DVD, like my friend got it like on Netflix when they sent you discs. And um, I really, I remember really enjoying it, but had never revisited until now. And happy to say, I'm like, wow, I like that. You know, then I like it now. Good cage. Good movie is my vote. Yeah, absolutely. I was kind of just so-so about the movie personally. Sorry, it was a little boring in my opinion, but it was, I thought, good Nicolas Cage, despite my lack of interest in the movie. So I'm going to say a pass on the movie, but like, good on you, Cage. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I, I sort of tuned out of this movie quite a bit. Like it was the color palette of it. It like it's it's yeah. filmed in a really good way, but it's in yeah. like that 2005. Everything is washed out, kind of like that was intentional. Uh, it was shot so everything was that. I think he calls it beige, that kind of bluish yeah. beige, <laughs> except for the interior of his ex's home, which is warm mm. and inviting. So every time you see him outside looking in, and it's warm inside. He's put outside of it. Yeah, it's clever, but it just it like tires my eyes out. And I know that that's the point. But like, I want to enjoy the movie and not be bored by looking at it. (laughs) I'm a mole person and my favorite color is brown. So this color palette was fine with me. I'm going to slowly scrooch my chair over next to the monitor. So it looks like Nick and I are both staring at you about your opinions on this. You can. I mean, my vote doesn't matter. Shay, what do you think should go forward? Your vote doesn't matter, but you know, it'd be nice to hear. Which one goes wins this match? Yeah, I would say Valley Girl. Just again, because I think it's just a little bit. To me, it was it held my interest a little bit more, and I like campy shit, and it was fucking campy so that's it's kinda, a it's a time capsule for sure right and even with the problematic part i mean what movie in the 80s again is not a little bit problematic i mean it's no porkies yeah nicholas cage but... the hero of the film drops yeah. the word uh well we'll just say the british word for cigarette at one point oh, really true. quickly so that mm-hmm. i don't know there but even despite that i'm going to say that it was uh held my interest a lot more even if it was just for the nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we know uh, I'm a sad boy who likes sad things. Uh, the National put out a new album this week, and I've been just <laughs> fucking sitting on my couch drinking whiskey and crying. So I'm going to go with the sad movie. I I loved both these films, but uh, Weatherman uh, speaks to me more. I totally agree. I enjoy Valley Girl a lot, and I will watch it again. But in terms of like better movie... Weatherman was a huge sleeper and it it just is so good. Like it's incredibly well constructed as a movie. The script is really good. Nicolas Cage's performance. I loved even just like how dead it was. It was right. It was the right performance for that character. Yeah. Intentionally dead is can different I, than yeah, like left behind. Yeah. Dead. <laughs> And just being so out of place in his own life, like he didn't even fit in his own life. Like he didn't know how to like walk down the street. He was always living in fear. Uh, I I fucking loved it. I I thought it was great. And I can't wait to like go back and really try to like find more of the little bits of symbolism and things that are hidden in the movie. Awesome. Cool. All right. We're back on the same page. Yeah. Weatherman moves on. Yeah. Uh, Um, What are we watching next? Yeah. So next up, we've got the uh, serious bracket. We are still in the uh, six seeds versus the 11s. And this is a Scorsese's bringing out the dead with a a script written by our favorite dude, Paul Schrader. We thought we were done with him, but we're not. (laughs) What? The, the man is a name for a reason. He's just a terrible director. He's a terrible director, but I think he does fine writing. And obviously Scorsese is... Scorsese. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so it's bringing out the dead going up against uh, Cage's return to John Woo with Wind Talkers. Oh, so it's going to be fucking three hours. Yeah, it's kind of a cool one. It's about um like Apache. Codebreakers. Which is pretty fucking neat. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think, unfortunately, a, it's not a great movie. I was going to say, but... it's an interesting topic. but yeah, I'm excited to watch it. I mean, I always find something within a Nick Cage performance to, to enjoy. Shay, do you have anything that you wanted to plug? Well, I have a small kind of new founded uh queer arts collective cool sis riot that's s-y-s r-i-o-t at sis riot on the insta you know we're just very brand new and we're we did our first kind of cabaret of sorts of it was a queer pajama party 90s blast 
in the fall. We're going to do another one coming up this fall with a fancier name. Place the Given. Um, it's going to be in October. Uh, more specific details later, but follow at Sis Riot, like System Riot. Yeah. But also, when you hear it, it might make you think of other things. Yeah. Which is, I like know, it. Purposeful, mm-hmm. right? Well, thank you very much for being here. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, if you need somebody weird to come back. So as always, please rate, review, and subscribe. We love the support and interaction. If you want to chat with us, you can find us on Instagram at uh, cage underscore match underscore pod and on Reddit at cage match pod with no underscores because we like to make shit complicated for you. If you are interested in supporting us at all, we are on Patreon at cage match. And a special thanks to our Sparkle Buddies, Josh, Sean, Josie, Rico, Matt, and Adam. And to our Cage Dancers, Ira and John. And uh, yeah, Sean, Nick, any last words to send us off? No. Nick? (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you. Can you just open carry a bow in New York City? I mean, I don't know New York's bow and arrow laws. I live way too far away and I don't fucking care to look it up. It's never been my life goal to know the bow and arrow laws of every major metropolitan area. But it is now. We should really pre-screen these because we're letting people go off and just say like, unfiltered shit like if Shay came out here and he's like yeah I got something to say about Puerto Ricans and it's like whoa if as long as it's that I love them all then that he I mean yeah (laughs) sorry I got really distracted by this big thing Nick whipped out (laughs) his giant sandwich (laughs) it was fucking huge I didn't expect it (laughs) 